see, I, I think I'm offering the insightful commentary and the humor. So what am I here for? The color? They pick the low day, but so it's fun. They have each other's bags when the day is finally done. In a world setting in a Georgia town. On a show about libraries and visual sound. In the stacks of libraries where it always starts. The stacks so much more than either of them thoughts. It's Thursday for mayhem, it's Thursday for fun. In the stacks with Barry and the Goya, it's second to none. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hello, T'Challa. Hello. <laughs> it's all you, Barry. I guess. You guess. Oh, jeez. Oh, you coming with attitude already? All right. Darn. Yeah. Welcome to another fantabulous episode of In the <laughs> with Barry and Latoya and T'Challa. <laughs> you, you both seem so excited. <laughs> well, you know, look, I was excited about the show. All right. Mm-hmm. I got I got a text message. I got well, it's like on the phones, people will send messages via text. Away. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and it was uh, from Latoya, right? And he was basically like telling me what stuff she didn't want to discuss on the show, mm-hmm. right? I guess because she thought it would be inappropriate with you know all the other stuff that was going to be discussed on the show. Bigfoot Yeah, it was Bigfoot porn. Really? And um, <laughs> but you know, I guess she thought it would be out of place. Considering she wants to talk about all this, you know, important stuff, right? Yeah, I felt like it didn't fit with the tone of today's episode. Yeah. So I think this this episode, she thinks it's all about race, right? But I think it's about diversity. Okay. And I think that I don't to go there. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't really want to go there either, but she wants she wants to talk about this. You know? Well, it's not okay. See, so you can't say that when I logged in this morning to add in my stuff right you had already put something that was you know about race and then i I will tell you what the um the the take i was gonna have on it which is very different from all that that you put in oh okay okay all right well whatever so we can work on what your side of the title will be mine is still about race and I guess you can go ahead and start with what you want to talk about uh, since our last show. So um, I've been reading, because uh, I went to a used bookstore a few weeks ago, and I managed to find, usually when you go to a used bookstore, what, what the worst part of it is, is that you'll find like book two of something, right? Mm-hmm. Or you'll find, you know, books one and seven. And see, like, I don't have that problem, obviously, because I buy all my books online, but go ahead. Right. And, um, but then every now and then something will happen that's really magical, right? Like I went there and damn it, if they didn't have the first five books in this series, Star Trek Titan. Oh, wow. Okay. So I got yeah, all that five. is, that's pretty awesome. Cause you're right. Yeah. You usually can't get a good run of them. So, okay. So I got all five and I've read the first two and I was a little, um, concerned about it because Basically, what, what Star Trek Titan is, is um, if you saw Star Trek Nemesis, mm-hmm. which is the last film with the Next Generation cast, right? Um, at the end of it, um, or during the movie, uh, Riker and Troy get married. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, you find out that Riker has accepted a captain position on another ship. Right. right which they call the Titan, right? So this is actually the adventures of Riker, Captain Riker. And the Titan. And so to play into uh, kind of what we're talking about today is that it is considered the most diverse crew 
in Starfleet history. Um, because like humans on most ships kind of make up the majority of people, right? Right. You'll have like Vulcan ships with a few other people mm-hmm. like that. But with this one, it's like, there's so many races on it. There's a lot of races, in fact, that have never been on mixed crews just because some of their physical needs, for instance, is difficult to have on the same ship with other species. Oh, okay. So like there's some people who, you know, the, the gravity on their home world is so different that when they're like walking around with humans, they have to wear like this special suit, you know, to, uh, so that the atmosphere doesn't just crush them. Right. 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 So there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. And, um, so basically, uh, Christine Vale, if any of you remember her, she was from Next Generation. Um, she is uh, Riker's first officer. Um, Tuvok, who used to be on Voyager, mm-hmm. um, is by the end of the second book, he becomes their tactical. Okay. Um, and uh, there's lots of other uh, characters from Star Trek lore, really obscure characters, who um, pop back up as make up part of this crew. And uh, of course, Deanna is the counselor. Right, right. And some people on some people who join the crew initially don't like that because normally you don't have married couples serve on the same crew mm-hmm. um, for obvious reasons. You know, maybe there'll be favoritism. You know, what if you know, Riker's not getting enough at home? And he's, <laughs> whatever, right? Right. Uh, there's issues sometimes with married people at work. And um, but yeah, it, 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 the first two books were pretty decent. Um, there's this running gag through the first two novels where they, they can't decide what to put on the dedication plaque. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, they decide to just go with infinite diversity, infinite combination, um, which is probably the most upbeat thing that it will be on this entire episode. <laughs> whatever. I mean, Don't even. For last. But, anyway, uh, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Now, um, also I wanted to talk about Aunt Jemima. Mm-hmm. Who was Aunt Jemima? See, the kids today, they don't care. <laughs> and don't really know, apparently. So, okay. Aunt Jemima is this um, caricature, I suppose is the best way to put it. Um, she's based on the old mammy stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. And she's been, um, they have these bottles of syrup in the grocery store. And, you know, the thing that always made it interesting is it was actually shaped like Aunt Jemima, right? So the bottle was shaped like her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in the old commercials, sometimes she would actually, you know, the bottle would start talking and moving right. on and stuff, right? And then there was that, that torrid sexual affair between her and the colonel from uh, KFC. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know yeah, you know, she was that hottie, yeah. yeah. Brown sugar. Um, yeah, but they've actually kind of changed how she looks in the past. She mm-hmm. doesn't look quite the same way anymore. Um, but anyway, with everything that's going on in the world right now, they decided that they want to get rid of that stereotype, right? And so they're going to be changing, uh, I think, the, the whole name. I don't think she's going to be even Aunt Jemima. Um, but I was going to play it off of, you know, it just seems like a lot of um, old, um, <laughs> yeah, that old mascots are changing, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of last year, of course, we all remember, we talked about it on the show, Mr. Peanut died. Right, right. And um, and then you know, Miss P- Mr. Peanut Jr. was born, right? And his is the new st- new uh, spokesperson. So now you know we're losing Aunt Jemima. Um, I heard Uncle Ben might change. Uncle Ben's rice. <laughs> yeah, uh, for a long time he looked very offensive as well. Um, he looked a little like Samuel L. Jackson's character from Django Unchained, with like nappy nappy hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then they changed him to look more like Benson yes. from the TV show. Yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) 
It's just one rabbit hole after another. It's just like <laughs> high school too. And, uh, and I'll be like trying to use some example and they're like, what's that? And then I have to explain what that is. What's I that? know. Isn't it horrible? I know. <sighs> um, and you know, you mentioned the Quaker Oats thing in general, right? Well, that's an offensive white person. I mean, that's, yeah, that's true. When you think about it, looking white man with the, the, you know, wig on. I don't know what the hell that is. So uh, yeah, as you alluded to, I filled in some of the details around. You had just put Aunt Jemima, and then yeah, I took it as an I opportunity mean. to like dump in a whole bunch of information. See, that's the difference between us two, right? <sighs> is I'll put Aunt Jemima because I know what I want to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Latoya, she'll put like sixteen paragraphs. Worth. Whatever, it's not even that. Many. You know, maybe sixteen lines, but not paragraphs. That's just like, you know, when I'm doing my notes for my novels and stuff, I like write down like two words, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, I know what that means, right? And um, when, I, when I go to do my, my talks, sometimes at school and stuff, you know, um, yeah, I'll just make like little notes, I'll just put Aunt Jemima, and then I know I'm going to talk about Aunt Jemima. For, like, well, yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. We're both getting older, right? And I think that if you just have Aunt Jemima, maybe you'll forget what it is you want to talk about. So this is meant to be something grounding as a guide that maybe will remind you of what you wanted to talk about. No. And provide additional information. That's how your mind gets, that's how your mind gets lazy. No, it doesn't. Don't eat, you're so horrible. All right, so tell us other stuff about. So yeah, this, so this topic ties back to what we talked about last week with Gone with the Wind, which we'll actually touch on. already coming back. Yes, yes. Um, And we'll touch on that a little bit later. But specifically, the syrups bottle, you know, Mrs. Butterworth, was allegedly modeled after Thelma. I would like rub my thumb over her boobs and stuff because I wanted to touch boobs and she she had boobs. Anyway, go. I had like a, a little Wonder Woman toy too. I might still have it around here somewhere. It's a little action figure. But for some reason, somebody thought it was a good idea that her top was not molded to her, but instead was this extra, you know, plastic piece that you could flip up and down. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, so I would always show it to people. And then, of course, every, boy, every guy I was friends with, we always like top down. You know, and there's like, you know, these like plastic boobs. They didn't have. Yeah, of course. Still, it was terribly exciting. You are so determined to not make this a serious show. But okay, so again, the the bottle is um, was modeled after uh, Thelma, or more people know her as Butterfly McQueen. She played Scarlett O'Hara's maid Prissy in Gone with the Wind. Um, however, in television commercials featuring Mrs. Butter- Butterworth, the character was voiced by a white actress, leading to some debate over the mascot's race. So on June seventeenth of this year, following the killing of George Floyd and of course the the Black Lives Matter movement resurgence, um, Quaker Oats announced that Aunt Jemima be rebranded to, quote, make progress toward racial equality. Oh, had questions about her race. (laughs) I'm not, I'm sorry, but of everything you put in here, that's the biggest thing. I mean. What, you think that, oh, okay, well, with the name Jemima, you should know. Everybody knew she was black. Yeah, but see, T'Challa didn't even know who the heck it was. But everybody who, what? <laughs> her name is Jemima. You, they, they had pictures of her stuff on like labels and stuff. She's black. Mm-hmm. Who had the deba- who had so debate? I gotta ask why that matters. Well, it's not so much the color aspect. It's because of um. Well, it well not even just that. It's because it's based on the stereotype right, right, of right. the African American. You know, the old 
slave oh, yeah. woman. So, I mean, yeah. I, actually, I don't mind at all. Um, I know some people are getting really upset about it. Um, and look, first of all, I always thought Log Cabin was better than Aunt Jemima's anyway. Oh, no. Mm -mm. We're going to get in a fight about that, but go ahead. It's true. But um, so it's not like I was buying it anyway. Um, but I mean, it's going to be the same formula, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that outside of the bottle, nothing else is going to change. Uh, however, like, again, you know, being of color, I, because I didn't really think about the fact that it was based on a stereotype, I didn't really care that, you know, Mrs. Butterworth was based on that kind of thing. But, right. um, you know, well, you're, I, you're a big fan of that kind of thing. It's not, <laughs> no, it's not to say that I'm a big fan of that kind of thing. Um, First of all, you, you guys frequently call me a Nazi. Well, but I mean, that's a just a, that's a fact. That's not even. You love Gone with the Wind. You have Gone with the Wind panties. You have Gone with the Wind, like stuff on your wall. Oh my God. Gone with the Wind, you have bumper stickers. You got like, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, I have all this stuff, but I don't have a bumper sticker. Why can't I say that you love, you love this kind of racial stereotype? Um, Okay, I'll give that to you because I do frequently call you a, a Nazi lover. So, okay, I'll give that to you. That is only fair and equitable. So, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, yeah, I've never really thought about it. I mean, yes, growing up, I remember the commercials and, you know, yeah, it's hard not to see that it, the bottle was, you know, a, a, a maid. And, you know, I don't know if obviously being a clear bottle and the the syrup being brown was also to tie into the whole stereotype. But I mean, it's cool that they're looking at it. Um, I, I think that it would be kind of cool though, if they redefined the stereotype rather than to, you know, get rid of it altogether, you know, um, mm -hmm. that Aunt Jemima has evolved <laughs> rather than, you know, well, she's just, you know, a stereotype. We've got to get rid of her. So I don't know. That's just me. Hmm. So you think maybe would like, keep the name maybe not necessarily the name um or maybe yeah actually yeah that you could but well, that would because yeah, i don't see why they need to change mrs butterworth at all right well that yeah that doesn't even yeah no but yeah. aunt jemima's yes um mrs. although like i'm a... like you know if we are working on being more evolved and being more informed that these stereotypes too can evolve and you know so maybe our children's children won't look at aunt jemima specifically as the original stereotype but as she whatever she evolves into well with our generation. get rid of aunt jemima okay right? have mrs butterworth right Introduce her as the character, right? Mm -hmm. Her name's Evelyn Butterworth, right? She's okay. African-American, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, something modern and positive. Okay, right? I, I could see that. Yeah, just get rid of, you know, just retire Aunt Jemima and just say, you know, this is whoever Butterworth, Latoya Butterworth. Right, because that's going to happen and no. I mean, I already, you know, I, I've already don't generally like that my name is very ethnic. Um, but that's just me. I got well, a I call. I picked Evelyn because I think that's kind of a white name. But I mean, yeah, I've known of white and black Evelyn. Yeah. So yeah. But I think if you went with a really strong black name, I think some people would still say, oh, why you got a name or whatever. Right, right. So. I totally forgot what I was about to say because you started talking. <laughs>
see this i'm telling you this old age is starting to kick in already so um, um so donald trump um this is not on the list what are you where are you going donald trump uh, obviously you didn't pay attention to this, is taking credit for juneteenth oh well that part okay whatever so he I, had I, a, jesus christ he had a little thing yesterday right and anyway he said nobody even had heard of juneteenth mm -hmm. oh so he started making it you know a big thing right wow. But um, why don't you tell people what Juneteenth is? Okay, so I will say that I actually didn't really know about it myself until as recently as 2017. Well, um, and Chala here said that he was, had never heard of it until a few days ago. Well, it, when, I, when I saw it again, well, because it popped up on Google Calendar, which mm -hmm. is, is interesting um, because I think this year is when they officially, on the Google Calendar U.S. holidays, where they actually officially have it listed but when i saw it on the calendar i was like i was like what the fuck is that? <laughs> and so i had to look it up again i was like oh yeah because i was made familiar with it on a i believe a 2017 episode of blackish because they did basically an episode about it and mm -hmm. i was i i was like i don't even know what they're talking about you know so yeah. for those who don't know and for and I, myself, I did not know until last year see yeah so i mean i had to kind of re-educate myself today and a lot of the facts and stuff that i'll mention we i get from media because it's just anyway so we are celebrating today the 155th anniversary of juneteenth so juneteenth marks the true end of the chattel slavery across the united states which didn't actually occur until 1865 two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, specifically, it marks the day when enslaved black people in Galveston, Texas, one of the westernmost points in the Confederate South, finally received news of their liberation. So, you know, obviously back then they did not have Twitter, any of that kind of stuff. They had, to, <laughs> people had to ride a horse um, just to, to kind of get out this information. Um, so, Holiday, the holiday is observed in 49 out of our 50 states, um, Hawaii being the only holdout. That's <laughs> a damn funny thing. They didn't have Twitter. They had to ride a horse. <laughs> so, <laughs> as often as Donald Trump tweets, how that, he'd be killing horses. Jeez. Oh, uh, that, that is very true. Very, very true. Uh, so in... 2020, this year, state governors of Pennsylvania, Virginia, and New York signed an executive order recognizing Juneteenth as a paid day of leave for state employees, uh, and several other states are following suit. Uh, I did find it interesting, um, well, sort of interesting. So there were only about five states to four states to recognize the holiday um, before 2000, and Georgia... As, as well as Alabama and Mississippi didn't recognize it until 2010 or after. So yeah, yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, but I think they were saying like Google and some other big names uh, have decided to also treat it essentially as a paid day of leave for their employees. So I can only imagine that at some point, maybe very soon, it will become an official, you know, officially recognized federal holiday. Um, but I don't know. So I have kind of mixed feelings. Again, I speak of it from a place of being someone of color. While I can certainly understand the, um, 
the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. I feel like we're, it's, <laughs> I wish that it was more inclusive of just even the indigenous people of the U.S., you know, specifically the, Amer- the the American Indians, that kind of thing, because it's not it's not just the black people that have been oppressed. Um, you know, I guess you could almost say that the American Indians had the original argument about that. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I'm like, I, I feel like and I could be wrong. I mean, I have been deliberately limiting my exposure to all of the hype and all of the, you know, just all of it. I feel like it's too much about Negro individual that it should be more inclusive of, you know, that it's, what is it? Um, what is, what was that? I saw an, um, an acronym. Um, I think it's black. No, it's like BIPOC or something. Black indigenous people of color Hmm. is apparently a thing. Um, but I, I mean, I wish it was more about, the people who have been oppressed and not just oh well it's all these black people because i'm like well there's so much too about again american indians and then even with in, uh individuals who are immigrants i mean specifically if you're a latino and an immigrant i mean there's so much to that i i just wish that the attention will be brought to everyone's fight in that regard for racial um equality rather than just it being about black but that, I mean, you know, that's much just my part. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, the quote-unquote white man was doing worse stuff to the American Indians before they even got to the to the slaves. So, you know, and I'm like, we've almost essentially wiped out these nations or, you know, these this group yeah. of, this race, these <laughs> this group of people. Yeah. And I just wish that people were as vocal when it came to that. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. Um, yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, um, I've not done anything specifically um, significant with my Juneteenth. I, I really don't know how you would really celebrate it outside of, I guess, what um, advocacy for. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um... So yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost like with Kwanzaa, it's one that I'm like, I don't know what to do. I mean, well, you know, I know that there's a little bit, there's more guidelines around Kwanzaa itself, but I'm like, I've never celebrated Kwanzaa. So I know that there are some people who have like this um, belief that, or the stereotype that if you're black, you have to celebrate Kwanzaa. I've never celebrated Kwanzaa a day in my life. So, um, but yeah, so the fight is real. (laughs) Um, And thank you for sharing that information about Trump, because I have, again, deliberately tuned out his noise. So, because I did see, what is it, that Facebook finally, um, did something about Trump and took uh, like I think what they restricted his ads or something. Because yeah, it, it took him doing an ad using a uh, the Nazi symbol for <laughs> um, you know mm-hmm. oppressives um, before they they actually did something with it. And um, it's just uh, it's just well, it's unfortunate. I know that among the big social networks, I mean Twitter and stuff has been really progressive in how they've been trying to to tackle misinformation, whereas Facebook is always in just this heap of noise. I mean it just you know they they they're late they're always late to the game. It seems like when it comes to this specific stuff, and yeah. I can understand it's difficult for such a massive platform to maybe handle these types of things Zuckerberg is a closet conservative i don't know if it's really closet i mean it's obvious 
denies that he's a, you know, a, an outright conservative. But, um, I mean, you know, the fact that Facebook has always wanted to sponsor the GOP convention, um, I mean, yeah, you are, dude. Just go ahead and say it. So you have something on here about... Uh, car- yeah, I'm going to skip that. Well, you're going to skip it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, so... <laughs> no, that's fine. All right, we'll, we'll move on. Um, in the spirit of, you know, diversity and, and race, um, and this actually, um, I put this, this was the first thing I put on this when I put stuff on here last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've begun watching... You would have to know that you did yours last week. Okay, go ahead. Um, I've begun watching The Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, I watched that show. Yeah, you, you told me this because yep. I asked about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a show about a white family who basically moves to a black neighborhood. Right. And the, he lives next door to Cedric the Entertainer and his family. And, um, you know, it's, it, when I watched the first episode, um, I posted about it on Facebook. I was like, this show, I'm not sure if it's like ahead of the curve or like really behind the curve. I think it's a little of both. Yeah, because in, in some ways, especially the first episode, some of those jokes felt like things that would have been on, you know, the Jeffersons. Yeah. Years and years ago. I know the twist is this time it's a white couple, you know, coming into a black neighborhood. But it's still, it, it, it made me a little uncomfortable the first episode because I was like, man, it seems like the whole show is about racial stereotypes. Well, yeah, and that's exactly what I was about to say is that, yeah, that's exactly it. They do play very heavily on, okay, this black guy and this white guy, you know, the, the yeah. obvious differences in that regard. And certainly if you continue to watch it, you know, I'm, I, it's one of my shows. Uh, if you continue watching it, you'll see that they never get too far away from the obvious race issue. Yeah. um they do certainly try to make it comical which you know i guess to its credit it does do that um but i actually don't find it as offensive as maybe others might because i do see it as kind of a lighter version or you know a lighter play on the stereotype Mm -hmm. i think that the first episode was a little (laughs) heavy-handed that happens a lot with um you know with pilots because they really want to hammer over your head what the show is about you know right but um, I've watched 13 episodes now, and um, I think it's gotten a lot um, subtle, but <laughs> broader, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, it, it, it starts to grow on you. Yeah, yeah, and it, it becomes more obvious that especially some of the characters, you know, they genuinely like, you know, the other family. And, mm-hmm. um, and some of the stuff is just funny. I mean, like, there is, a, I can't remember, maybe on the first episode or the second episode, where the white wife um, has to come over to use the shower at the the black families and you know when she gets out of the shower she's looking at the wig that's sitting out mm-hmm. and so she decides to put it on and i was like oh <laughs> watching it with me and she goes what i said no you don't mess with a black woman's hair <laughs> i know you do not do that that's not good and son catches her and he's his mouth just falls over he's like oh mm-hmm. right and then the mom comes in and i was fully expecting her to just lose her shit but Instead, of course, she thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Which was a funny change on it. You exactly, know? exactly. Because I was like, oh, man. Because I, I, you know, I know you don't, you don't mess with a woman's wig. <laughs> you know? But, but um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it does play on some of the stereotypes of uh, Caucasian and, and um, Black individuals. Uh, but, again, I, it's just, I don't think it is in such a way that, like, it's not 
like you're watching Friday or something. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so it's, it's the more palatable um, way <laughs> of portraying the differences um, in a comedy setting. Yeah. So it's already grown on me. I mean, um, my mom likes it a lot. And so I have to wait for her to be in the room before I can watch any of them. <laughs> I finished the two seasons by now. Um, oh, okay. Because, yeah, I, and I know at first, after the first season, they were wondering whether or not they, it was going to come back. Right. And then they did re- renew it. Um, I don't know if it, I, I, you know, I honestly don't know if they're another. It's showing oh. on Wikipedia that still says it's to present. I, did they renew it? I don't pay as close attention to it anymore as far as, you know, when they're like, oh, this show renews or whatever. It's one of those, like, where I set it for record and forget it. <laughs> and then I watch it when it's there. Yeah, I um, I I saw that it was two seasons, but I, I assumed there would be a third. Uh, I would hope so. Um, like I said, I just didn't check to see whether or not they um, they had renewed. Yeah, but I, I do enjoy it. It's very fun. Uh, the only thing about, for me, is I've gotten so spoiled um, not having to watch commercials. And um, The Neighborhood, I watch it on uh, CBS All Access. Okay, all right. And, they do make me watch commercials. Oh, yeah. They did say they renewed on May 6th of this year. They re- renewed it for a third season. Okay. Yeah, yeah they- I mean, you know, I record it. And again, it's it's hilarious, I guess, in a sense that, you know, since I have access to all of this stuff in on demand, why do I record shows? But um, I do record it. And fortunately, in newer episode cases, there's a feature that's like smart resume that they call for... Um, on uh, Xfinity. And mm-hmm. so when the commercial comes on, you can just hit a button and it resumes after all the commercials are done. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I also use that as an opportunity. Sometimes if I'm doing something, if I'm watching the show, I use the, the um, commercials as my opportunity to go do something else. Or, you know, like if I've got to go to the bathroom or run to the kitchen for something. So, so yeah. Yeah. And the, um, well, the, the thing is, it's like when I have to watch the commercial, it's like I told my mom the other day, I said, you know, God, sometimes I hate watching this show. You watch two shows and it takes you an hour, right? Yeah. And was like, yeah. And I was like, well, no, but normally when I watch a 30-minute show with all the commercials taken out, I can normally watch three of those. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I got to like do through the damn commercials because they only <laughs> fast forward through it, right? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, it just takes so damn long. Um, I watched a couple of movies. I watched one that was a Netflix original the other day. A couple movies. I only see you posted one movie. Oh, you're just added another one. Okay. Um, I watched the Night Clerk the other day. Um, yeah, I, just, I googled it and I was like, huh? It stars the guy from um, Ready Player One, and mm-hmm. female lead was in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and she mm-hmm. was cute and naked in that. And just <laughs> for my, our male listeners, she's also cute and naked in this one. Oh my gosh! Um, but it also has Helen Hunt and John Leguizamo's. Leguizamo. Yeah, uh, now Helen Hunt really doesn't do anything in it except be concerned. Okay. Uh, and John, how do you say his name? Leguizamo. Leguizamo. I really like him. Mm-hmm. I've always liked him. He was he was really good when he was in the first half of that Waco show that you won't watch. Um, it, I just haven't good. watched it yet. I know it's just watched ninety seven hours of TV. Oh my gosh. Um, but in this, he really could have been anybody, you know, it just felt like he was kind of this, just a, mm. he's such a good actor that I just was surprised by how little he seemed to be engaged. Anyway, oh, okay. Okay. Um, but I, I the, would like to point out uh-huh. that that's 
T'Challa would be the one to point this stuff out, right? It's like, you can't just let a girl slide under the radar or anything. You have to point out just how much TV I watch. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I do generally engage in hyperbole with her TV. She actually only watched 35 episodes. No, hours. Episodes, which is 35 hours. Right, 54 episodes this week. About a day and a half. It's about a day and a half's worth of programming. Well, when you look at it like that, gosh, just don't think about it that way. <laughs> What'd you say to child? What's the span of time she watched it? Seven days. That ain't bad, but that's still bad. That's still well, it's, that's it's bad, bad when you consider that I work a full day, Monday through Fridays, and then I put in my, se- you know, hours for my second job, which is, you know, watching TV, which is about another eight hours every night. That's well, not at, my intention, but that's what it is. What? Uh, which one, the one, uh, thing about how, how science facts reminder the show. So really read. yeah, relax. relax. Yeah, yeah. But, well, that's exactly what I'm doing when I'm watching the TV, relaxing. All right, so I watched the Night Clerk. Mm-hmm. And was it? Did you enjoy it? Overall, yes. There's a couple of like strange coincidences that are essential to the plot that are just kind of strange, strange but what you just accept it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, what, what makes the, the it movie interesting is um, the guy who stars in it, he plays a hotel clerk mm-hmm. who is a, he's definitely on the autism scale. Right. So okay. he has trouble interacting with people. And so he, when he's alone, a lot of times he will practice talking to people mm-hmm. and he will watch them. Well, what he does is he, he's very smart with computers, and so he places cameras in the hotel rooms. <laughs> of course he does. When he gets home, he watches them. And, you know, like, for instance, if a couple's having a conversation, he'll stop it and, like, repeat what they're saying to try and sound more natural. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes, you know, if it's, like, a pretty girl, he'll, like, pause it and, like, you know, talk to her and then unpause it. So he's, like, having a fake conversation with her trying to practice because one of his problems is that once he gets going he just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, and talks. right 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 which i mean right. i so assume is part of the autist the yeah. autism aspect of it okay right uh, it's like an hour and a half and um so he fall he exactly he, an hour and a half according to google mm-hmm. oh. so he's watching one of his his little recordings and he sees a woman get murdered okay and you know, of course, everybody suspects he might be involved because he's weird. And because everyone always assumes it's a weird person. Yeah. And of course, the thing is, he knows who did it because he sees uh, like the guy has this big tattoo on his shoulder and all this kind of stuff. But he can't tell them because he was illegally recording, illegally watching. <laughs> yeah. In trouble. And um, of course, they find a camera, but they don't know who put it there and all this kind of stuff. So um, he gets transferred to a different hotel. And he falls in love with this girl who's kind of sweet to him. So the way you're talking about this, it's with the assumption that no one's going to watch it, right? Because, I mean, you're basically just telling the whole plot. Well, I'm not giving away the next part. Okay. All right. Transfer, and he falls in love with this girl, and he gets to see her boobs. And I'm not sure if he was in love with her before or after he saw the boobs. <laughs> okay. Um, not long after he sees the boobs, he kisses her. So I think it was the boobs. Mm. But anyway. Well, the boobs gave him courage. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, of course, the police are suspecting him, and it turns out that um, the killer, right, might be about to kill again, right? And so he, he's, you know, it's really building to this, this thing of, is he going to risk 
getting in trouble himself and disappointing his mom? Or is he going to keep his mouth shut and somebody might accidentally, you know, actually. You know, they can- yeah. The synopsis on Google's info box says it's a, a hotel clerk becomes the prime suspect when a woman is mur- murdered during his shift. As the police investigation closes in, he makes a personal connection with a guest, but soon realizes he must stop the killer before she becomes the next victim. Yes. That's the, and, and they give it away there. They, the, mm-hmm incredible coincidence that even though when he's transferred to a different hotel that he meets this girl gets involved with her and then she becomes the target coincidentally of course of the same killer who killed somebody at the other hotel he worked at which would i guess then make them assume that it's definitely him since he's at okay all right right um so yeah so yeah, it was released this February. Um, the on IMDb they give it five point three out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes thirty four percent, but on Google seventy five percent. All right, the movie we watched last night that um, my mom was really mad about. So okay. she wanted to watch a movie about cops. Right? I said okay. Mm-hmm. So and threw on Netflix all the action adventure things. Right? And she saw one that was called Cop Car. Right? She goes, "What's that?" That's exactly album. what is that? <laughs> so I look at it. It starts Kevin Bacon. That's what well, Kevin Bacon's in it. And she's like, who's that? And that's what oh, I, no. Oh. I said he was in Tremors and a bunch of other stuff, right? And well, was, I mean, you would immediately think Footloose. Duh. Well, but she hasn't seen Footloose and she loves Tremors. So oh, wow. Okay. Your audience. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> so I said, let's watch that one. She goes, okay. All right. So this is an interesting film. All right. Made in 2015. Okay. <laughs> so um, at the beginning of it, um, Kevin? Well, hang on. Wait, wait. I will say, apparently, the budget was $5 million. I mean, again, for a movie I've never even heard of. And it apparently made at the box office $143,658. Wow. Wow. How can you bomb with a $5 million budget? Yes. Um, we'll say the, I, I, the movie was not bad, okay? Um, but Well, yeah, according to Google and stuff, it's not bad. So he plays the sheriff in this town, Kevin Bacon. And it starts off with him driving out in the middle of nowhere, right? Drinking a beer, um, opening up the trunk and taking out a dead body, right? Which he drags in the woods and dumps in a hole. Okay. All right. Now, while he's doing it, these two 12-year-old boys who have run away from home find his cop car, mm-hmm. right? And so they find out that the door's unlocked and the keys are in it. And so they decide to have some fun. So they drive off in it, right? And they're, they're doing all kinds of things like, you know, doing circles in the cow pastures and driving 80 miles an hour down the road and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the sheriff comes back, finds that his car is gone, and he starts losing his shit, right? Um, and at first you assume there must be like some evidence in it or something, right? Um, he immediately, you know, heads back home, starts, you know, starts cutting up all these big bags of cocaine and flushing it down the toilet, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, um, but come to find out what he's so concerned about is there's somebody else in it, right? Um, he had killed one guy, but there's still a live guy in the trunk. Okay. <laughs> so guy's a cop, right? Yeah, he's the sheriff. So yeah. eventually the kids open up the trunk when they hear something, you know, inside it. Right. And from that point, it gets really, really weird because um the guy in the trunk's not a nice guy, right? Okay. The sheriff's trying to catch him, and of course he wants to cover up all of his stuff. And the kids are, you know. At this point, they're just trying, they're actually thinking maybe we should go back home. <laughs> <laughs> right? well, a lot of bad stuff happens, right? 
And um, I won't give away the ending, but what upset my mother so much is that a character gets shot, right? And the way it ends, right, the way the movie ends is with, um, you know, folks driving, you know, down the road as fast as they can, trying to get to a hospital. They don't know where the hospital is, and this person's dying. And then what the rest of off, <laughs> right? I haven't seen it, I'm guessing. It's and, one of the kids. And, the, you know, the person answers, and they say, you know, well, where are you? Where are you? And then the, the movie, right? So, yeah, my, my mom was very upset. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what she says. She says, do they live? I said, uh, well, I don't know. I said, but I mean, I assume they do. Maybe that's what you assume because, you know, they get talked to somebody. Well, that not mean, but they're allowing you to decide in your mind what happens. Well, I mean, yeah, Um, I sort of don't like it when they do like a cliffhanger ending kind of thing. But I mean, in this case, it seemed like it was appropriate. Yeah. So she goes to her room, right? (laughs) So I'm in the living room for a little while. And then I go in the kitchen to like get something. and, uh, And I hear her bitching about the movie <laughs> so i open up her door and i say did you really come back here get on the phone call somebody to complain about the movie <laughs> and she was like yeah i'm telling so and so about it you know she can't believe it ended that way either she wants to know is there a sequel where they tell you what happened oh my gosh no, there's not a sequel she goes did you look i said no i'm positive there's not a cop car to out there well i mean given how so, much it did not make at the box office i'm sure they won't there won't be but <laughs> But yeah, she was very upset about it. She complained about it this morning. Um, she, she was like, I don't know about it. I ain't gonna go watch any of those kind of movies anymore. And I'm like, what was about? We picked it because it had the word cough in it. Oh and my it, gosh. You know, and I said, I thought it was a decent movie. So yeah, it's a 2015 movie. Runtime is an hour and 28 minutes. 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 72% on Google. You know, everybody gives Rotten Tomatoes a hard time, but they seem to be uh, easier on everything. Yeah, I think so. Um, so you have watched 35 hours since last time. Yeah, at least 35. What have you watched? <sighs> so I watched this documentary, The Men Who Built America. So what it else? started with, huh? What? Then what else? <laughs> what? I lo- it was a great documentary series. I know, I know. So it's, yeah. it starts with the Vanderbilts and goes all the way up to um, Henry Ford. Okay. So, you know, and of course it was men. I will say that the one thing I did not like, or no, I take it back. I did not mind in this context that Donald Trump was on the series as one of the, you know, just the commentators. Mm-hmm. In this specific, this specific thing, it appeared that, like, he reminded me of the character that he plays on The Apprentice, where I was like, okay, you know, within this context, yeah, I'm okay with you. And then I was reminded that, oh my God, this person made it to being president. And so, yeah, but it was still a really, really good and informative series. Uh, I then watched, I also watched 30 for 30. I waited for Kay and we watched the uh, Be Water episode, which is completely about Bruce Lee, which was really, really good. Um, I watched the other night, the next episode, um, Long Gone Summer, which was, was of course, about McGuire and Sosa. Thought right, that that's was what really I want to talk about. Um, that's <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, I remember that summer very well. I had, Oh yeah. I, I used to be a huge baseball fan. Yeah. Summer of 98. I, I loved baseball too in the nineties. And the 1994 strike 
uh, kind of lost me for a few. Well, and they do talk about that specifically, that after 94, when it took such a hit, people were like, I'm never again watching another game of baseball. And they said it was because of this pivotal moment in 98 yeah. that it brought back fans to the game. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember 98 was amazing. Even then, people like to pretend, well, nobody knew until later that they were juicy. People were talking about that then. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, how could you not look at them, especially but, McGuire's case, and be like, yeah, there's something going on there. And I remember reading an article, I think it was Peter Gammons, the, before the season started, and he predicted that McGuire would break the home run record because the year before he had hit, I think, 58 homers. Right. He, he was very close to, to breaking yeah. it. Yep. And, and ran out of the regular season games to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so he had, he had predicted it. And, and I just remember, I mean, it was so much fun uh, watching him and Sosa and it was great. And even though I knew there, there was something weird going on, I mean, it just couldn't be normal. Yeah. And see, like, I remember us talking about it in the office of the library, yeah. um, because I think there was certainly for a while that conversation around, well, do you put an asterisk or not in right. the record books? And so, like, they have, um, what is it, Bob Costas is on the, on, on the episode as well, and he kind of gives his opinion of it and stuff. And they were like, the thing is, as McGuire repeatedly says in it he's like during that period what yeah. he was doing was not wrong according to baseball rules That's right it was not against the rules and you know they're like even before that period there were things that people did in their era that you know would be questionable maybe today or whatever that, that's so, why I, I think it's i think it's ridiculous that mcguire bonds sosa are not in the hall of fame right right they never will be and I think that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, we had people who, like, you know, Ty Cobb, who would, you know, sharpen the, the, the things on the bottom of his shoes, the, mm -hmm. you know, so that he could spike other people's legs, you know. Uh, we've, had, we've had people in there who, thought, we have, um, you know, Necros in there. You know, he admitted how he would doctor the ball, you know. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's people in there who cheated in all kinds of, and I just think you need to put them in there. It's fine with me if you put them in there and say, that during the steroids era right yeah yeah but and the thing is is that a lot of people were juicing uh, maybe not everybody but enough that i think the competition was not slanted right well they did say that in that period it was very it was very much a part of that culture it was the norm that yeah. people juiced as to what degree of juicing okay that certainly is up for debate but that yeah in that culture at the time people did it it was again it was not against the rules um you know and you're and like being on the outside looking in it's like if it was that much of an issue they should have addressed it sooner you know if if they were going to have that kind of problem with it but it was just really cool to see um mcguire and sosa now um and then of course all the 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 old footage and i mean part of why i really love watching well just any documentary but like specifically when it has to do with a period in which i i've been alive um i enjoy looking back at oh what was i doing at that point in time in my life and then you look at the things that people wear and the you know the quality of the footage and stuff and i mean it just brings you right back to that time um so i get very emotionally involved in watching that kind of thing and yeah i mean i remember some the the summer of 98 um and 
yeah, I mean, that was the reason why people started watching football. I mean, baseball again, for the most part, you know, it was something exciting. They talked about, you know, how much a part of um, the media it was. And of course, this was before the big social media boom. But you, they were like, they kind of start off the, ser- the um, episode by talking about, you know, people don't really think about very many um, records in sport. But everyone knows, you know, kind of the whole who has the home run record because, you know, that is the biggest, highest point in baseball. And so, yeah, I mean, I, did you get to watch the series or you still can't access? I still can't access it. Okay, we're going to have to, like, do a screen share or something because, yeah, I'm like, I do want you to be able to watch all this stuff because it's, it's just so awesome. Yeah. Um, so they talked about, you know, obviously, and I'd forgotten a lot of the the – details about that time so watching it again was like oh crap so you know when when um mcguire hit 62 um which of course broke the record because i think the bambino had was at what six sixty, and then maris had yeah was at 61 and then yeah when he broke it and it was so cool to see like sosa was so like he who of course got like mvp of that season but he was so cool about it he like gave him props because when it happened it happened in a game where um they were playing against each other (laughs) and i mean it was just uh, i was i was so just I loved it. I loved it. So, um, yeah. So I watched that, of course, because, you know, I love my sports documentaries. I, of course, watched Last Week Tonight with John Oliver because that's how I get my politics. Um, we started watching the this final season of Marvel's um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was interesting specifically because of the time period that they're in. And, you know, one of the main characters or who plays the director now is African-American. And so it's they're kind of doing some time travel stuff right now. So they went back to the 1940s. And so it was interesting to see how, <laughs> okay, they didn't even really acknowledge or, or didn't make it an issue that he was a person of color. And while that's all well and great, I'm like, if you're being specific to the time period, right. people would be quite so accepting of this black dude hanging out with all these other, you know, the, I mean, again, the, the whole group on S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is multiracial, you know, right. I, I, so that part I do, it's like when you want to say, oh, we shouldn't be playing stereotypes and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but yeah, you also don't want to suck the history out of what you're portraying on TV. You know, right. I think it's important that you know that, yes, during this time, they did not, you know, people kind of weird about people of color, or, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, so we're caught up on S.H.I.E.L.D. I think we have one episode to watch when Kay comes home this And I finally, Barry, decided to watch Parks and Rec. Hmm. And I deliberately did not tell you about it because I was like, okay, we're going to talk about, talk about it on the show. I have watched the first two seasons, which is 30 episodes, and I've finished the first nine episodes. Okay. So I've watched, um, you know, 39 episodes of Parks and Rec. And I, I thought it was hilarious. I think it was season two, like episode eight the initial library episode, which was, yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Um, I, I didn't mind season one as much as I thought, you know, based on what you were saying, as much as I thought I would, I I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really mind it. Um, Yeah. It was still trying to find its footing. Um, Leslie in season one is just, she's incompetent. (laughs) 
And in in the later seasons, it's obvious. No, she's good at her job. Mm-hmm. She might be overly excitable and take things much more seriously than other people do, but she she's good at her job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they make it's it very clear in the later episodes that yeah she is essentially the one holding it all together especially the episode where I think she was sick or something and they're like oh you know let's divvy up her duties and it's like how the hell did she get all of this done in one day you know um but one it was like you know poor um April would be nothing (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah but yeah I mean it's just I I really grew to love it well I mean I I just I mean from episode one I was like okay cool because, you know, again, I like a lot of these individuals on different shows and stuff like that. So it was nice to see a strong ensemble. Uh, I do think it's funny about Brandanowitz or whatever um, that he disappears and is never mentioned again. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I actually liked him. Uh, I was reading some other stuff, articles about, you know, they never really say specifically why he left the show or why anything happened because at points they talked about him maybe coming back and stuff, but that never happened. So, um, so I'm now in the episodes where Adam Scott and Rob Lowe are part of the show. And yeah, that's just, that's hilarious. Um, Yeah. I love their, their, uh, their dynamic when they first come on too. They do it a little bit on to where it's like rob lowe's like that's a great idea i think we should make that work can we make that work no yeah 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 you're the rob lowe character <laughs> i'm adam scott and it's like yeah no we can't they're, they are so awesome yeah. yes and then jerry i think is my favorite character yeah. poor jerry you know he's like one of the only other away, but what there, there's some i'll give nothing away but there's some stuff in the last couple seasons with jerry that i think you Okay. Well, I mean, so he is the most competent person in there besides um, Amy Poehler's character. But he is, you know, he's the brunt of every joke. Yeah. Um, and if anything happens, he gets blamed for it. Damn it, Jerry. Yes. Even when he's not the one to do it, you tie yeah. it to him. So um, it has been, you know, considering as much as I tend to watch a lot of sports stuff and British stuff, um, it's, it, it was really a, a welcome change. So right now, obviously, that's really all I'm watching. When I leave the office, that's, I turn on the TV and just start, you know, inhaling episodes of, um, of Parks and Rec. Yeah. I agree with you about Chris Pratt's character. Like when in the first season, I was like, God, I hate him. I just really don't like him. him. He is oh. such a loser. And, but yeah, he, he's certainly very lovable. Um, and yeah. him and uh, Aubrey Plaza's character, their interactions are hilarious. Has he sung um, a song about little Sebastian yet? I don't. You, you, you don't remember little Sebastian? Oh yeah. yeah uh, the, the, the on pony. Yeah, he's not a pony. He's a small horse. Okay, whatever. Yes, yeah, sorry. I yeah, that <laughs> was one of the last. The show. <laughs> what? The show. People are like the pony. It's not a pony. <laughs> horse. Sorry. Yes, I think that was one of the last episodes I saw because they they had the harvest festival. Yes. And yes, yeah, yes. and it was so important that and like everyone is fawning over the the little <laughs> horse. It's, it's yeah. I mean it's. It's totally worth watching. I love that it's just kind of an easy watch. You know, you don't have to overthink anything. The characters are just, they're all very distinctive. 
and Tom, Tom grew on me a lot. <laughs> Tom was hilarious. I, I like Aziz Ansari, so it's Ron for somebody that um Ron's awesome. I'm like probably <laughs> completely on the opposite side of. I love um and I think you're a cross between Ron and um Tom. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> I see myself more as like a, a, a Leslie or something. I knew you'd see yourself as a Leslie, but no, you never loved your you like paperwork. You never loved libraries the way she loves parks. And- well, that is very true. That So, yes, I could see that. But, see, I don't like that you put that I'm across of, of Ron and Tom because Tom is like, he just comes and he doesn't want to do shit. He just comes well, and he plays yeah. or he does other stuff. Tom has swag. <laughs> but you have some swagger, right? But you're okay. Ron, who inexplicably does not want to be around people at all. Mm-hmm. Right? So, somewhere in the middle is you. Yeah, that okay. I, I get you. Yeah, that's true. I like that. But so thank you again for yet another awesome suggestion. Um, I will. The funny thing is my mom f- fell in love with the show. Oh, really? Yeah. And she was very upset when we reached the end because I don't generally like just go back and rewatch them after I've watched them. Yeah, no, I don't rewatch stuff. Because I've got other stuff to watch. And um, yeah, that, and that should be the case with you rereading books. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. Shut your that's different. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's your blasphemy. Um, <laughs> And, and so she was very upset. And so I found, I looked for her and found out that on one of her channels, it's a, uh, God, it's like the IFC. I think it's IFC or Sundance or something. Anyway, they show Parks and Rec. Hmm. And so like multiple days a week, they show it for like 12 hours a day. Okay. And, um, so she just has been binging it again on there. Oh my God. And he's like, there's a lot of these I didn't see. And I said, yeah, because I mean, I didn't wait for you to watch it. I'd watch it whatever I wanted to watch. <laughs> and that was fine, you know. Um, so yeah, she's probably missed, you know, about half the series. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I told Kay, you know, obviously I was watching it and you had suggested it and that I'd meant to ages ago. And so he's like, oh, is that something I would like? I was like, oh yeah, you need to watch it. Um, especially considering that it's a comedy and it's, you know, 20 something minute runtime for each episode, obviously without all the commercials. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I have definitely enjoyed it and as I do with everything that I watch I do nerdy stuff and so I of course like Rashida Jones so then I was like oh let me you know wiki her and read some more about her because you know since she's the daughter of Quincy Jones um and her mother was Peggy Lipton who was on the mod squad she died last year um so so yeah I always my my tv watching is more than just watching the tv I like uh wiki yeah yeah, I'll, I'll do that too, you know. Yeah, yeah, because there's just interesting stuff. Like, I, I like to learn about the show itself and then the individuals who play characters on it, you know, and certainly making the connections of, oh, I've seen this person on this, this, and this, and then I'll go on IMDb and, like, I actually, people that I that I see in different shows and that I, you know, like them, I'll start to favorite them in IMDb. Um, and then when I'm looking, if I'm kind of in the mood for something or and I don't know, I'll look at the favorites list and think about, okay, well, this person was in British stuff. Let me look here. And anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm very kel about my TV watching. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I um so thank you again for Parks and Rec. If you haven't already seen it, definitely watch it. It's 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 a fantastic comedy to watch. Um and certainly a I mean, you know, a diverse cast. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the, unfortunately the two leads are not necessarily diverse. It's a white female, white man, but the ensemble cast of course has Aziz, um, 
Ansari, whose character is from North Carolina, um, and <laughs> Retta, who, of course, people probably maybe know him more recently from Good Girls. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great show. I haven't watched any movies um, since I was spending all that time watching television. So, yeah. I'm finished talking about TV. Okay. So we well, can talk about movies. Well, there's only one more thing on your list. Yes. And I mean, I think we have enough oh, time I, to cover I think it. You got two. Do what? Actually, I take that back. You've got two things. There's two, but we'll only have time to cover one. So that okay. one gets bumped again, the one on the, the second one. <laughs> so last week, we, of course, talked about the whole Gone with the Wind issue, um, specifically because HBO Max was pulling it. Um, and yes, in fact, HBO Go and Max are two different things. They, with Max, they have additional content that HBO and HBO Go doesn't have. So I think and they're I, doing I'm stuff. Not looking, I'm not looking forward to all this discussion. I know, because when I was reading it, I was like, oh, Barry, oh. So the, the, the headline is 10 more problematic films after Gone with the Wind. All right, and before you even start anything else, we discussed this last week, and, I, and it, it's all they have to do. <laughs> People just have to be aware of the time period in which the art was created. Right, right. Context. And so that's not, that's not even why I'm bringing it up. It's not so much the, aware of the context. To me, there are no problematic films. Right. I mean, you know, exactly. Especially when, because even if you have a new film about like Nazi Germany or something, it's, it's looking at it through the historic lens. It's not trying to, like, I don't think it's necessarily trying to glorify it by it being made kind of thing, you know? Well, I mean, I, yeah. Not usually. Not usually, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I mean, like what you mentioned is Birth of a Nation. I mean, that's an offensive film. Right, right. I think that so, people should be able to see it. And just know of the context of which it was made. Yeah, so in the article, it, it appeared on Variety. Uh, it says the films most often cited as racist, of course, are Birth of a Nation and Song of the South. Um, you know, I can't even remember if I've seen Birth of a Nation. I know I've seen Song of the South. I've never seen all of Birth of a Nation. I've just seen parts of it. Um, so it continues by saying, but the range of problematic films is wide, including Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, Mickey Rooney's a stereotypes role as a Japanese man is appalling. West Side Story, of course. Bad. Huh? It pretty bad. Yeah, it is really bad. West it Side Story. Bad. Huh? It is pretty bad. Yes, I, I will agree with that. West Side Story, of course, Puerto Ricans are shown almost only as gang members. And 1975 slave owner drama Mandingo, which I actually have never seen. I've seen. Um, Jaw-dropping and apparently aimed at the KKK demographic. I mean, I wouldn't say that. But I mean, maybe for the author, the, the appeal would be maybe more so for that audience. I think, I think that Mandingo, and this is, the, this is the reason why the term Mandingo is used a lot in like interracial porn and stuff. It's just a strapping young black man, usually a slave, right? Okay. There was a character named Mandingo, and that's the way it's used. Mm -hmm. um, so it almost fetishizes slavery right and see that's a whole other sub you know it's like oh there's so many lower la layers to all of this um so they listed 10 movies i pulled out a couple because well um i'll start of course with dirty harry most people wouldn't necessarily think about it that way well, people consider it i mean it's 
it's about a cop who basically, you know, is a fascist. Well, yeah. So it says that the film mocks liberal judges and do-gooders, and the villain claims um, police brutality, planting the seed that other such charges are fake moves to get sympathy. Look, I'm I'm a liberal, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I love Dirty Harry. Um, I also like Death Wish. Um, I write about vigilantes who go around killing people. Um, you know, it's just, I think that even as a liberal, mm-hmm. we all have those power fantasies. Mm-hmm. I think all of us, no matter how much you believe in the judicial system and a theory of rehabilitation, sometimes see people we know are guilty get away with things and it makes us angry. And we all have that desire of sometimes, you know, sometimes I just wish the bad guys could get what they do. Right. You know? And that's what Dirty Harry is about, you know? And yes, they're, you know, we don't want all, we don't want any cops like Dirty Harry. Um, but as a power fantasy, I think it's fine. It's just like, again, you know, we mentioned, por- I mentioned pornography a second ago. There's things you might like in your porn that you don't want to actually do, right? Mm-hmm. There might be things in your cop killer movies <laughs> that you might go, yeah, shoot him, right? <laughs> right. Really be a fan of if it happened right in front of you. Very weird topic. So, you know, I mean, the topic's just about movies that are... Questionable. Questionable <laughs> in terms of their content or their their message right the the depiction of various um races and groups so the mo- one of the more recent ones in in modern memory is forrest gump i mean it's a huge film from 1994 um and i don't know i have a hard one I, i'm kind of on the fence about this one yes it is um definitely a movie that um according to variety is condescending to anyone with a disability Vietnam vets and people with AIDS, among others. Uh, it's actually hostile movie. to protesters, activists, and the counterculture. As a bonus, lovable title character Nathan Bedford Forrest was named after his grandfather, the first Grand Wizard of the KKK. So, it's a great movie. I, yeah, and I, I'm with you. On, I'm totally with you on that one. I'm like, yeah, it's it it the stuff that variety says is in fact true um but like i didn't like with like lieutenant dan and stuff when he got disabled and stuff i wasn't i don't know i i thought thought the way they treated him was very good i I liked it but interesting things with him yeah they did they did the whole nathan bedford you know forest thing whatever yeah, but the thing is, Forrest grew up in the deep south, and there's a bunch of racist assholes around who would name their kids stuff like that. Right, and oh, and Forrest overcomes even that, you know. It's so, so yeah, that's why I'm like, I don't really have a problem with it, because if you look at it in the right context, in the right scope, you walk away with the message you're intended to get. Yes. And sometimes I think that people just see something, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is wrong. It's like, yeah, 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 but you can't just pick out that one little piece and isolate it if you're not looking at the whole. So um, the next one, uh, the next two, in fact, are specifically movies you love. Uh, When I read, when I saw it, I was like, oh. (laughs) So the first one being 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, In it, it says that, let's see, like those old movies, the exotic villains are portrayed as primitive and bloodthirsty foreigners, resulting in negative and stereotypical de- depictions of India and the Hindu custom. Was that even? Uh, Temple of Doom, yeah. Yeah. 
But look, look. You haven't seen Temple of Doom yet. Why did they have to single out that one? That's a very common well, yeah, and that, and that's and that kind of is my point is that you you know sure they picked this this huge named movie this epic movie but it's like it's depicting that time in history how could you not do that because that was how it was viewed back then what i want to know is why they care it's already happened deal with it <laughs> if you were a if you were a non-garbage if you don't like it keep that opinion yourself <laughs> oh. oh okay <laughs> i mean look i I don't think anybody should be looking at Indiana Jones or The Mummy yeah. or any other kind of pulp-influenced movie for your, you know, cultural information about anyone. Right, right. Um, they are meant to be exciting, you know. And, yeah, and it is meant to be unrealistic. And, you know, and they do use certain stereotypes. Um, but then, too, again, with most stereotypes, there is always a, a kernel of... Yeah, it's just meant to be... Fun and exciting. You know, if you don't think it's fun or exciting, yeah, deal with it. <laughs> so the next one is your most recent favorite Tarantino movie, uh, Once, Upon a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so it says, it's easy to overlook the film's regressive messages. It's about two middle-aged white men who long for the old days of Hollywood. In other words, MHGA, Make Hollywood Great Again. The film is set in 1969. Yes, the film is set in 1969 when some Americans felt the status quo was being threatened by minorities, hippies, and newly liberated women. From the controversial depiction of Bruce Lee, one of Hollywood's rare Asian stars. controversial doesn't know shit about bruce lee but go ahead but okay to the fact that black people seem non-existent and the mexicans as they're called in the film are car valets or waitresses tarantino's film seems to have several blind spots and charles charles manson's white supremacist agenda is ignored so it's about an actor in 1969 Mm -hmm. stuntman right it's about two people they're the main character they're both white right? Because mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense to have a black stuntman for a white actor, okay? Right. So you have those two. And the film is really about, yeah, how the world is changing, how time seems to be moving on, and how it's leaving them behind. And it makes sense that in the context of their lives, yeah, they're, they're like, you know, man, you know, Westerns, they're not making Westerns like they used to, and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it's, I think that people are looking for things to be upset about uh-huh. with that film. Um, yes. And Tarantino has come under fire before. I think there are people mm-hmm. who like him and well, they're always looking. They're always <laughs> looking um, for things to be upset about. Some people don't like how frequently the N-word is used in a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, you thought they, I would have thought they'd have been happy about this one because I don't think the N-word shows up at, at all in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> um, so, now, um, I saw you erased one. Yeah, because um, we're running out of time, and I wanted to, since we focused on two films that are films you enjoy, I wanted to focus on a film that I enjoy. So, uh, 1942's Holiday Inn, of course, stars Bill, um, Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. They, of course, run a hotel that's open for the holidays. The film is revived frequently throughout the year. Some versions have cut the scene where Crosby mystifyingly sings Abraham in blackface to celebrate Abe Lincoln's birthday. It's one of a long line of Hollywood uh, movies in which stars like Joan Crawford, Judy Garland, Shirley Temple um, perform in blackface. 
and it's really? always presented as a lark. Um, no, I've never seen Holiday Inn. It's like, it's, I oh. watch the movie at least once every year. But isn't it basically the same movie as White Christmas? <laughs> sort of. Sort well, of, I, yeah. I, I watch White Christmas every year. Yeah. And I love White Christmas. And I've never seen Holiday Inn because I heard that Holiday Inn came first and it wasn't as successful, so they remade it as White Christmas. Essentially, yeah, that's, that's what they did um, for the most part. Um, Holiday Inn, I really enjoy. And again, <laughs> the thing is, and I, you know, I do love a lot of old Hollywood and I've seen a lot of old films in which blackface is certainly in it. Um, it's the whole don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I understand that it is certainly offensive, but you have to, it, 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 at the end of the day, it always comes down to context. Right. You know, this is just the way they express themselves back then. Was it right? Hell no. But again, we have to understand that it was a different time. What they deemed as appropriate and inappropriate were very different from where we are now. We're certainly more informed and all that fun stuff. But, you know, again, I'm not going to stop watching a movie because there are offensive pieces of it or that there's obvious overt stereotypes in it. I mean, yeah, it just, I, I think we're being very hypersensitive right now. Yeah. And I mean, it's unfortunate. Why? It, I mean, again, yeah, it's just unfortunate. So, so which is if you've seen both. Huh? Which is better if you've seen both. It's, a, it's hard to, I can't, because I watch both of them during Christmas. So, um, it's a tough call. I actually really like them both, probably equally for me. So, so the White Christmas, it's, it's, um, Danny Kay. Mm -hmm. I love Danny Kay. Yeah, I love Danny Kay. But, but I mean, you know, the, but the fact that Holiday Inn has like the original crooners, Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire kind of thing, um, it just, I don't know. There's some magic to that for me. Okay. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to bring up. Actually, T'Challa wanted to bring it up too. Uh, okay. We've uh, been watching another TV series. It's called Crossed Swords. Crossing. Crossing Swords, right? And uh, do you want to explain what it is, Tachala? It's not an animal. Um, essentially, it's done with little wooden Playmobile-like people. And it's like claymation? No. No, like the old Playmobile toys that had like the flat bottoms. Um, it's like... Oh, okay, okay. Got it. It's like, <laughs> it's like stop motion. Yeah, okay. Some of it's computer. Um, but anyway, it's set in like the Dark Ages, and it's about how this guy who wants to become a knight, mm -hmm. and all the shenanigans that ensue. And it, it's it's pretty raunchy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of lot of uh, toy nudity, a lot of toy nudity. Um, and uh, there was a, a hilarious moment when there's a jousting uh, tournament going on, and the the guy says to the other guy, he says, "Have you ever jousted before?" And he's like, "No." And he's like, "What about juicing? Have you ever juiced? Like, what is that?" <laughs> He says, you know, it's when two guys both have hard-ons run at each other as fast and as hard as they can naked. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and then the other one says, no, when would I have ever done that? And then the uh, one that asked him says, well, I guess we had very different proms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the voice cast is amazing. Uh, I love Nicholas, Nicholas Holt. Uh, Tony Hale is in it. Uh, Breck and Meyer. Um, so yeah, d pretty cool. I mean, I obviously don't watch a lot of that type of stuff, and I certainly don't have Hulu, so I'm certainly not watching anything on Hulu. But that seems actually kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. I've only seen the first two episodes, but uh, T'Challa's seen the whole thing. Yeah, I think he's watching it with me. It'll be his third time. So 
Yeah, it's showing on there, IMDb giving it 6.6 .6 out of 10. I don't even know. I've never even heard of IGN, but they've given it 3 out of 10. Mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 18%. However, Google users, 87%. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes Rotten Tomatoes just gets it wrong. Like, I mean, they, they're either right on or they're, it's a complete miss. Um, yeah, I, I would think so with it having such a low ranking. Um, yeah. Hmm. And did you say you'd never heard of IGN? Yeah, I don't, what is? Well, it's mainly like a, yeah, it's, nor, it's normally like a video game news. Platform. Okay, so see, that's why I wouldn't know anything about it. I guess they do some. Well, it's just IGN. They used to have their own network too. Yeah, back, you know, they did, it was like one of those video game channels. Yeah, and I see. I I was never a part of that culture. Um, not seriously, anyway. So I would. I just wouldn't know. <laughs> what? How <laughs> are you two friends again? <laughs> I know. I wonder that all the time. To be fair, I was never really part of the video game culture. Yeah, universe. but you were. I did love arcades. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was like that was a video game. Yeah, but the, that's like the heyday of you know. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, I know video games, but I'm not a part of. I've never been truly a part of that culture. So, so for those of you who are totally disappointed that I was not talking about monster porn and didn't get enough this week from Barry dropping in these little porn pieces. Um, we will talk about the end of um, porn clips. <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. I will finish the book. We'll see what happens with Jill and and Bigfoot. Um, I assume that there's got to be at least another one or two sex scenes in that in what's left of the book. Don't don't so, don't kill yourself from having a stroke by Cricardo. <laughs> exactly. Um, through it, deal with it. <laughs> I, I will again say that this is likely the only monster erotica that I will be uh, reading. So I still, think, I still think, you know, I should just like send you porn. No. See, no, it no, on the show. you realize like how totally inappropriate it sounds when, people, when, we, when you just say it out like that, you know? It's like, oh, I'm just going to send you some porn. And I was tempted to then reply, but you send me so much other porn stuff. So why do I need more? But anyway, you 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 love to send me inappropriate things. <laughs> I send you memes and stuff. I don't, I, you know, you send me inappropriate things in the past. It certainly gifted me inappropriate things. But I mean, I don't I don't ever think about it in any you know weird way. I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> cool. So so yeah. So tune in next week for our all porn episode. No, no. Um, <laughs> we. <laughs> You'll be reading us uh, Bigfoot erotica. That's right, we will we will go through the end of the book, and um, T'Challa will be uncomfortable for the. the yes, duration. I will, but yeah. it'll still be funny. Now next week T'Challa will not be on the show. What? Wait, no, uh, you have to reschedule. Uh, we, we're like, we can't skip uh, a whole week. No, I was just saying. You because oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like he, so today obviously we recorded we're the the show is posting a day late and so um barry had asked last week oh can we you know reschedule and i was you know i wanted to say look bitch the song says thursdays but then he said it was because t'challa wanted to be on the show and you know so i was like okay okay so i gave him a pass on that this week that's true we could call him yeah yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, Latoya, mm -hmm. I have found something. We we could have like a special episode. 
T'Challa probably would have to sit this one out. Right? Uh, I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah. In- All right, so, you know, they have what are called porn parodies, right? Where they'll, like, do, like, Avengers Endgame, but they'll give it, like, a slutty Why title, and it'll thing? be porn, right? All right, it turns out, I just Googled it, that there is a porn version of Gone with the Wind. Yeah, no, no, no. Take that out of your mouth. Not even. No, no, no. Take that out of your mouth. That'll be the name of the episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm thinking. No, I don't. Don't it's called This Ain't Gone with the Wind, a triple X parody, right? This first porn movie believed to center on the Civil War and location permits have been applied for to shoot on actual battlefield and at a number of beautiful plantation style mansions. I'm, I'm going to really have to take a hard pass on that. It's bad enough I'm doing the Bigfoot porn. I, I can't do Watch it and then you have it. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. No. Absolutely not. So we need to go. We need to wrap up the show. I have a meeting that starts in like a minute. So until next time, it's been um, an interesting episode. Latoya out. Yeah, Barry out. Bye. You're supposed to say T'Challa out. Oh, bye. (laughs) All right, then I guess we'll just go with that. All right.